0: Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012, and it's now the 30th day of May 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording from the Sully Baseball studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. Well... My voice is still not perfect, but it's not as bad as it was a few days ago, so I'm, uh, I took Saturday totally off. I said, no, can't do one today. Thank goodness I recorded one ahead of time where my voice was out and I was kind of whining and it was the Sunday request and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, here we are and it is Memorial Day. Is that something? It's Memorial Day, and I actually just had a moment. I paused because I I had to stop and think it to myself for a second. I said, "Wait a minute, did I do a podcast on Saturday?" And because I was my voice was shot, did I do one on Saturday? And I did I do it on Sunday? And then I realized, actually, yes, I I had burnt through a uh, I had an evergreen podcast. Regarding uh, Ichiro Suzuki, and I did uh, yesterday's podcast. that I posted was one that I also recorded ahead of time when I was losing my voice. So, man, I haven't. This is my first podcast I'm doing in a few days. I feel I feel out of sorts, and I had a moment where I thought, "Wait a minute, is the streak over? Did 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 I did I forget to do a podcast? No, you did, Sully. By planning ahead and doing your homework, you can be forgetful." I um, I'm gonna talk about a few things here. Uh, first of all, obviously if there was a, a big story, uh, the, the the Mets and the Dodgers series this weekend was was totally bananas and Chase Utley wound up playing the Mets like a fiddle this whole time. I mean how did the Mets get back at him? Seriously, how did they get back at him? Utley came in to Citi Field and got big hit after big hit scored big run after big run if it wasn't for the Curtis Granderson home run it I would have been probably a sweep by Los Angeles with Chase Sutley leading the way all over the place uh you know the throwing out of Syndergaard, should there have been a warning and everything absolutely but there was also we all knew something was going to happen uh, I'm not a big fan, of course, of bean balls. I'm not a big fan of messages being sent. And, and what message was sent? They threw behind him, and then Utley proceeded to kick the Mets' butt. Now, an interesting thing happened on the Sunday night game, you know, the very important Sunday night game that ESPN shows. The uh, Last year, I had given a special instruction to Don Manningly when he was the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers, and I just said, if you're managing the team, and it's a close game, and the pitcher, and this is applicable last year, I said, if the pitcher on the mound is Clayton Kershaw or Zach Grinke, ask yourself, should I relieve this pitcher? If the answer is no, then leave him in there. And I'm going to send the same message to Dave Roberts, the new manager of the LA Dodgers, when... Clayton Kershaw is dealing. Don't take him out of the game if it's a close game. Because there's nobody in your. Don't tell me Jansen. Don't tell me whoever the hell this kid was. What was the name of the kid who actually wound up coming out of the bullpen? Uh, Adam Libertori or whatever his name was. Are you going got to look me in the eye in a game that Clayton Kershaw is just dealing, that you would rather have Adam Libertori in there Pitching rather than Clayton Kershaw, and of course he came in and he led up the, the the triple to Granderson that tied the game, and everybody in their cow thought that Granderson was going to eventually come around to score and and you know make it a Mets victory. Now, the Dodgers bailed him out by scoring those two runs in the top of the ninth, but seriously, what 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 human being would think? Oh, yeah. Let's remove Clayton Kershaw in this key situation to bring in a left-hander. What left-hander are you going to have? I would rather have Clayton Kershaw with the flu vomiting on the mound than another left-hander on the mound. And Kershaw, what, seven two-thirds innings, four hits, no walks, ten strikeouts? I'm I'm sorry. There, There was no reason to do that. And they did it. Now, Adam Lubatori wounds up getting the final out of the inning, and he gets the win. Clayton Kershaw got nothing. Nothing. And here, yeah, it's funny that Adam Lubatori gets the win. Uh, Clay Buckholz got the win out of the bullpen for the Red Sox. Meanwhile, the two absolutely most dominating performances were. Uh, were basically Jake Odorizzi, who threw a one-hitter, and Clayton Kershaw, who absolutely dominated. And they combined for an 0-1-1 record for today because Odorizzi, the one hit he let up was a two-run homer, and Libertori got the win, not Clayton Kershaw. It's funny. My good friends at MLB Reports, where you can see this podcast in all of our podcasts, uh, and also the up-to-dates for Who Owns Baseball, uh, he, he they wrote something today saying that lifting uh, Clayton Kershaw and getting the win for Adam Libertori, is it Adam? I don't even know at this point. Uh, cost a ton of money to daily fantasy tournament owners who had Kershaw. And Kershaw did not get a uh, a decision on it. And therefore, anyone playing like DraftKings or, or FanDuel or any of those wound up getting gotch in terms of a victory for Clayton Kershaw. And so maybe, I don't know, maybe Dave Roberts is in the pocket of big... Daily fantasy. I don't know. It was a wild, wild, weird day of baseball, and the day before was weird too. I mean, there was so many bullpen collapses. The epic collapse that went on with the White Sox, where they let up seven runs in the bottom of the ninth. The Brewers had a huge collapse. The Mets, you know, they they fell apart after Syndergaard was tossed. Um, you know the Red Sox. Have, everyone seemed to have a collapse in the bullpen yesterday, or on uh, uh, on Saturday, and today the Red Sox wound up going, getting the extra inning win. The you know the White Sox. You know this is this is an unusual day also, because of how some of these teams have been falling out of first place. The White Sox fell out of first place. The Mariners fell out of first place. And this is, I don't know, I can't recall the last time this happened this deep in the season. That when three straight days, three different teams were in first place by themselves in the division. When we woke up on, uh, when Friday ended, the White Sox were in first place by themselves. When Saturday ended, the Indians were in first place by themselves. And today, the Royals are in first place by themselves. That, Ladies and gentlemen, you're crazy. AL Central, who knows what's going on there. Actually, I do. I'll talk about that for a second. And the Mets have fallen out of a first-place tie with the Nats. Cubs keep on rolling. Giants keep on rolling. Dodgers are, you know, are within striking distance of a playoff spot. So I'm bringing this up for this reason. It is Memorial Day. Memorial Day is, in my opinion, the first real checkpoint of the season. It's the first time you can really take a look at the team and say, okay, we've played, it's the unofficial first third of the season. So when you look at, when you look at, um, you know, when you look at the, uh, basically when you look at the season, you break it into three parts. The beginning of the season to Memorial Day is where you first start, okay, what are we? Are we going to be contenders or not? Some teams very clearly are not, and some teams very clearly are. So you say, okay, what do we have to do? And between now and the trade deadline, which is at the end of July, is really when teams have to take stock, okay, are we going to go for it or not? If we're not going to go for it, let's start throwing bodies over the side of the boat. If we are going to go for it, Then let's take a look at what we got in the farm. Let's take a look at what we've got in, see what holes we can fill from within. And so by the end of July, you could say, okay, if we can't fill any more holes from within, then we got to go outside and fill some of the holes. Which means after July 31st is the final two months of the season, and that's really the stretch run. If you're still in contention by August 1st, then, you know, I don't want to say you've had a successful season, but you've had at least a noteworthy season. So what I want to do right now is I want to take a look at my predictions. Now, my predictions at the beginning of the year for the what teams were going to be the big playoff teams, and so what some of my thoughts were. Now, I've been consistent. I've been consistent for a while that I believe the American League has been an absolute crapshoot, and in my predictions, I pointed that out that you could make cases for every single team in the AL, some stronger than others, but I felt that you could take a look at these. There's teams in the AL that you could honestly say, the Orioles could be terrible, the Orioles could be great, the Angels could be terrible, the Angels could be great, Oakland, Boston, all these teams could be terrible, they could be great, that there is no one super team in the American League. Now, my pick to win... my picks did not show a tremendous amount of courage in terms of teams that were good last year and teams are good this year. But that's also because I didn't see much reason to deviate from those picks. My pick to win the AL East were the Toronto Blue Jays. And as I said, my prediction, every team has a shot in here right now. The Blue Jays are even 500, five games behind the Red Sox, the Red Sox, currently own the best record in the American League. I did not see that coming, that in Memorial Day, the only team with a 600 record would be Boston. And I thought they had too many questions in their rotation. Now, if you had told me that David Price would come out to a you know, sluggish five-something earned run average, I would say, oh my God, this season's a catastrophe. And if you told me that that would happen, and Clay Buckles would be so terrible that he'd be demoted to the bullpen, holy Toledo! Just put a torch on this season; it's gone. But as it turned out, Rick Porcello, of all people, has been one of the steady pitchers in the Red Sox rotation, and they're getting you know quality appearances from the likes of you know Stephen Wright has given some big huge games. David Price has improved after his rotten start. And, you know, and we'll see moving forward. I think that Kimbrell has been up and down. You know, I mean, again, if you had said going in today, Price's ERA was 5'3'4, Buckholz was being demoted to the bullpen and Kimbrell was disappointing with an ERA over three, I would say, oh my God, the Red Sox are in last place. Instead, they have the best record in the American League. Do I think they're going to keep this up? I don't know. The way they've been hitting, it's been something else. But they're with a rotation that they have, they are just as capable of going into a spiral. Now, Toronto has been disappointing, of course, but each team, yes, including the Yankees, yes, including Tampa Bay, are more than capable of going on a big, huge run. I have no clue what to make of Baltimore at this point. Baltimore has been in first place or a game out of first place for a good chunk of this year, and they're doing so you know, without a monster season from Chris Davis, with not getting much production out of some of their key offensive players. Pedro Alvarez has been an abject disaster. And Ubaldo Jimenez has not been very good, but they have a good, solid bullpen. Chris Tillman is finally coming around, and maybe, just maybe, Buck knows what buttons to press at this point, or maybe the Orioles are taking advantage of a pretty weak American League East. They've not had a good record the last 10 games, I have to say. Now, the uh, I'll get to the essential in a second. Um, the West, my pick was the Texas Rangers, and as of this recording, the Texas Rangers are indeed in first place. And they've had a really good stretch recently. The arrival of Darvish makes me think, whew, this may be pretty good. The Angels have been extraordinarily disappointing, as has o- Oakland and as has Houston. And I think Seattle and Texas are the only team right now that look like playoff teams at this point. But remember, at this point, Texas wasn't looking that great last year either. Now, the AL Central, now granted, as I said, they've had three different leaders in the last three days and only three games separate first from fourth at this point. But the minute the Royals had those three come-from-behind wins, including one with Chris Sale on the mound, it felt like it just took the air out of the balloon for the Chicago White Sox, who've lost eight of their last ten games or are on a six-game losing streak. And the Indians certainly have some talent and ability. But the minute I saw them win this game, Yes, they're tied in the lost column with the Indians. Yes, it's only Memorial Day. But the Royals started the season somewhat sluggish and uninspired. And yet here we are at the one-third mark, and they're in first place, even with the injuries, even with the bad start. And I just look at it and go, like, they're going to win the division. They really are. It ain't going to be the White Sox. I don't see it being Detroit. Minnesota doesn't quite have it obviously because they're off to a terrible year this year, despite they're now on a four-game winning streak. And between Cleveland and Kansas City, I'm picking Kansas City. So I wrote, I said I wanted to congratulate the Royals for clinching the American League Central, because in a way, that's what it feels like. Now, my predictions in the Nash. no, my two wild card picks, by the way, were the Indians and the Rays. The uh, Indians I believe would be a no. They would not be a wild card team. They'd be just barely out of it. Uh, Tampa Bay is four games under 500 right now. I still think they have a decent run in them. They can pitch. Just ask Jake Odorizzi. Now you take a look at who are the best teams in the National League right now. They're the Nationals, the Mets, the Cubs, the Pirates, the Giants, the Dodgers. And uh, the Cardinals are just behind Miami and Philadelphia. But my point is, those are the exact teams everyone thought. Those are the exact, the National League is unfolding almost precisely as people predicted. Yes, Philadelphia got off to a wonderful start. They got off to a fabulous start and a much faster start than anyone could have imagined. But here they are, they're two games above 500. Better than more people thought, and they may have an improved team. They may not be the 100-loss team that I thought they were going to be. They've also lost seven of their last 10. They're starting to come back to earth. They were clobbered by the Cubs. Uh, I I just look at them as a team that got off to a fast start, maybe a little younger and more spry. But you look at the other team, yeah, Nationals and Mets, they're going to be going back and forth all year long. Uh, the Giants got off to a terrific start. The Dodgers are are starting to wake up a little bit. And any team that has Clayton Kershaw pitching for them, as long as you keep him in the game. Now, my big prediction, my big daring prediction that I had was that the Pirates would win the Central and not the Cubs. Well, as of this recording, the Cubs are the only team playing 700 ball. They're 20 games above 500. And they're on a five-game winning streak right now. It's scary that the Pirates are a playoff team this year. Their record is 28-21, and 21, identical to the Mets, and the Mets and the Pirates would be the wild card teams as of this writing. The Pirates have been very good. The Pirates have been good the last, they've won seven of the last ten games. They've lost a two-game losing streak to Texas, but they've been played very, very well. And the Cubs have been scary good much better than I thought they were going to be. And I thought they were going to be good. I mean, I picked them to be a playoff team. But what I'm saying is is that this year is unfolding pretty much the way we all thought it would, that the American League would be an unpredictable rugby scrum and the National League would be five or six teams that are just better than everyone else. My picks were the Mets to win the the East, all right, they're one game back. Uh, the Pirates to win the Central, that may not happen, but they're right now they're a playoff team. Giants to win the West. Hey, look at that. The Giants are currently winning the West, and the wild-card game would be played between the Cubs and the Nationals. Well, it looks like the Cubs aren't going to be avoiding a wild-card game, and the Nationals right now would be a division winner. But I, I stand I stand by all those picks. Yeah, maybe the Cubs are going to finish ahead of the Pirates. But even with this amazing Cubs start, it's not outlandish to think that a bad month and a good Pirate month could suddenly bring it to be much closer. This season is unfolding the way I thought, in that one side was going to be totally predictable, and the other is going to be throw your hands up in the air and say, who knows? Who knows? It's funny, I did a podcast of about maybe five, six days ago, where I urged the White Sox to try and trade for James Shields. And now it looks like that may happen. And what I have to say is I can only think that it's going to happen because the Chicago White Sox front office listened to the Sully Baseball Daily podcast. It's Memorial Day, and pretty soon summer will begin, and pretty soon these pennant races which are right now starting to... Well, they've already formed in the National League. We've already seen that. And pretty soon, you're going to see teams picking apart the Braves, the Brewers, the Reds, the Rockies, the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the San Diego Padres for parts. And before long, it's probably going to be Minnesota as well. And maybe, just maybe even the Angels. But one-third of the year in... We're seeing an American League that, with very few exceptions, any team can win. And we're seeing a National League that, with very few exceptions, actually with no exceptions. It's exactly what we thought we were going to say. Sorry, Philadelphia fans. It's not going to happen. But what is going to happen is me telling you who won baseball yesterday. Uh, Lorenzo Cain got a pair of hits, including the home run that sparked that comeback rally, as the Royals just had that heart just... just soul-crushing sweep of the Chicago White Sox. Wilson Ramos got on base four times, drove in four, and the Nats just pummeled the Cardinals 10-2. Rich Hill, Rich Hill leads the American League in WAB as pitchers along with Chris Sale. He struck out nine Tigers, pitched in the seventh inning, giving up only five hits, and got the 4-2 win. For the A's. Clayton Kershaw mentioned it earlier, was brilliant, was pulled, don't know why, he got a wob. Uh, Jay Cotterizi mentioned it before, he got let up only one hit. It was a home run, he gets half a wob. Uh, Cole Calhoun tripled, homered. He did the hard parts of the cycle. He walked three other times, he got on base five times in front of Mike Trout. But the Angels dropped the 13 inning marathon to the Houston Astros. And Matt Holliday went three for five, but was stranded by his teammates in that Cardinals. Nationals game. So if you're keeping score at home, Clayton Kershaw, Rich Hill, Wilson Ramos, and Lorenzo Cain get full wobs, half-wops to Cole Calhoun, Matt Holliday, and Jake Udrizi. Go to SullyBaseball.wordpress.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast for the 30th day of May, 2016. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.